You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Great to have all the folks joining us, Grace Online, wherever you might be, around the county, around the world. Great to have you connecting in with us today. As we are in kind of this uh, place of prayer and worship, I want us to take again a moment. We did this last week. I'm going to do it again this week because I still have family members and friends who are battling this COVID virus. I'm certain you do as well. Uh, We had a funeral yesterday for one of our Grace Covenant family members who passed uh, as a result of COVID. We have a funeral Tuesday for another gentleman who passed with COVID. And sad news to this story is his wife passed last night, leaving four children behind. Um, So, um, wow, a challenge challenge happening in our community, in our world. And, and what I know is that our place is to pray. Um, I can't heal anyone. You can't heal anyone. I don't have that ability. You don't have that ability. But we serve a God who's able. Amen? We serve a God, the Scripture says, who takes things that are not and makes them as though they are. We serve a God who's able to call bodies out of the grave who's able to restore and heal. And so we want to take our place this morning and stand in the gap to intercede for our family members, uh, friends who are processing through grief as well for those who are presently battling this virus. I know we have about five Grace Covenant family members right now who are in the hospital, uh, some in critical situations where we need a miracle. And I want to just invite you to pray with me this morning. Lord, we thank you today that you've invited us to come. Lord, actually your word says come boldly before your throne of grace. That we might find help in our time of need. Lord, we just lean into that this morning. God, we know you're able, therefore we come confidently. Lord, asking, Lord, for your intervention, for those who are presently battling this virus, for those that... We know for those that we don't know, what I do know is the hospitals are overflowing with individuals who are sick today. God, we just ask for your intervention. God, we ask that you would revive bodies. We ask that you would heal scarred lungs. We ask that you would reveal your power, your provision. And Lord, as well, we're mindful of those who today are in deep sorrow and grief. Lord, as a result of the loss of a loved one, Lord, I'm reminded of your word that says you're the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles. God, today we pray your comfort. We pray your peace, your help. And um, Lord, in these places of grief and sadness and sorrow and loss, God, bring your help, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. Well, if you're here today for the first time, we are honored to have you as our guest here at Grace Covenant. We would love to connect with you. Um, The best way to make that happen, you can take your phone and you can text the word GUEST to 704-486-9664. That will help us connect with you. Also, I would invite you to stop by Guest Central before you head out. You go straight out the back of the sanctuary, down the hall, you'll come to a place called Guest Central. We have a gift for you there. Uh, So please stop by. We'd love to hear your story. Uh, Some wonderful folks there ready to serve you. As you take your worship guide this morning, all kinds of things happening in the life of Grace Covenant, just a couple things that I would want 
to highlight for you this morning. Coming up on the 25th, we have a virtual grace track, meaning you can take advantage of this from your home. This is kind of the path to membership, if you want to think of it like that. We use the word partnership, but it's how you become a part of um, the Grace Covenant family. So I would encourage you to check that out. All the information is there in the worship guide. We also have coming up a We Serve Day. We're partnering with churches throughout our community throughout the greater Charlotte area, and we've identified October the 9th. So that's the day the church is moving to action um, throughout our community. Pretty amazing, church uniting to serve our community. And there's several uh, partnerships, projects that we're engaging in from 9 to 12 on October the 9th. You can go to the website. You can find the different serve opportunities. Dana's here this morning. If you have questions, you can see him. He'll be out in the foyer after the service. Any questions you might have, he's directing our serve day. But it's just simply this. It's the body of Christ throughout our community moving to action to serve our community, just to be Jesus. So I would encourage you to check that out. Here's one other way that you can do that. This morning we have three tables throughout um, at each of the entrances, and it has these little thank you cards. And as, as a pastoral staff, as we've been visiting the hospitals in this season, one of the things that we've noticed is the hospitals are overrun, and those who are giving care are physically exhausted. They are so depleted. Um, many of those who are part of our Grace Covenant family, part of the medical prof- profession as well, has shared with us, man, we are just taxed. Not only that, they're dealing with the reality of of death and loss. And so we thought, wow, here's a great way for us to express uh, gratitude and appreciation. So on the tables, there's little blank cards that say thank you. Really simple. You pick up the card and you just write a note of thanks, appreciation. You just write something that says, hey, we're grateful for what you're doing. Uh, you appreciate it. Whatever you would want to write, you can take the card, write on the card. And then we're going to be delivering these cards to the hospitals this coming week, along with a goodie basket. And, you know, everything's better with a little food, right? And we're going to take them appreciation with some snacks. But, again, these cards are out on the tables. There's, I think there's three different tables. Uh, it's interesting today. We're going to talk about the power of words from James chapter 3. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to live out the sermon before you ever drive off the campus today. And that you're going to be able to use your words to encourage someone else, to build someone else. So please stop by one of the tables. Just jot a note. You, you may say, well, my handwriting's not that good. Listen, it doesn't matter, right? They'll be able to interpret. Just write thanks. Write something on the card. Drop it there in the basket and then... Again, we'll be delivering those this week. Well, there's multiple ways you can give. There's boxes in the back. You can, you can give uh, online. Thank you for your ongoing support of the ministry of Grace Covenant. If you have your Bibles, look with me this morning to James chapter 3. We're continuing our journey through the book of James as we're talking about this concept of, of putting our faith to work. And this morning... I have the opportunity to talk with you about something that we all have and something that we all have a challenge with. Any guesses? Yeah, it's, we're going to talk about your tongue today. I know it's not pleasant. That's what we're going to talk about because that's what James talks about in James chapter 3. The tongue is a, like a small, soft flesh part of our body, yet it's capable of breaking the strongest bonds and destroying relationships. As you know, your tongue 
can create problems in your life. Matter of fact, to get us all on the same page this morning, let me ask you a question. How many of you would say that your tongue has created trouble or got you in trouble at least once in your life? Yeah, we're all there. So like this, what James is writing about here this morning, turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to talk about you today. Go ahead and tell him. You know, oftentimes when people are going out the door on Sunday, hey, pastor, great message. I wish my dad was here to heard that. I wish my mom was here or my cousin. Well, today this is for you because James is talking about you. He's talking about, about me because there's no doubt about it. Listen, there's power. There's power in your tongue. There's power to build or there's power to destroy, right? There's power to lift others or there's, there's power to tear others down. I, I want to tell you a true story this morning about two 12-year-old boys who had similar experiences, yet very different results. One received words that lifted, the other received words that, that devastated. One boy was named Joseph, the other was called Peter John. They were both Roman Catholic altar boys. So the first boy, Joseph, was appointed one Sunday to carry the crystal picture down the center aisle filled with the wine for the Holy Communion. And as he was climbing the steps, he got to the top step, and he tripped, and the, this crystal picture that had the wine in it went out of his hands, hit the wooden floor, shattered into a thousand pieces, spilling wine all over the floor. And he knelt before the priest, and he begged for forgiveness. The priest looked angrily at the boy, slapped him, cursed him, and shouted to young Joseph, 12 years old, he says, get out of the church and don't ever come back. Sadly, little Joseph ran out of the church and never stepped foot in a church again for the rest of his life. As an adult, he changed his name to Tito Marshall, or Marshall Tito, and he became the ruthless dictator of communist Yugoslavia. Under his leadership, 650,000 people were slaughtered. Think something might have happened at 12 years of age that influenced his life? The second boy... Peter John was an altar boy also in the state of Illinois. He, he too was assigned one Sunday to carry the crystal picture of wine down the aisle to the altar. And Peter John was so excited. He was so excited to have this opportunity. But like Joseph, on his way up the steps, he too tripped, stumbled, dropped the crystal picture, breaking it into a thousand pieces, spilling the wine all over the floor. And the bishop that day got up out of his seat, went to the microphone, and this is what he said. Dear people of God, our altar boy, Peter John, has given us a wonderful example of God's redemption and grace. Is there any one of us who hasn't had an embarrassing experience or a shattering experience? Peter John, thank you for giving us this illustration of redemption in the gospel. When our lives are broken a thousand pieces, there's a God who can bring resurrection out of crucifixion. Peter John, the truth of the matter is, this, is that God's going to put your broken pieces back together and make you a stronger altar boy and a stronger Christian. And let me confess to you, Peter John, that when I was an altar boy, I also dropped the crystal picture. I dropped the picture, you dropped the picture, maybe one day you'll be a bishop just like me. That boy... Peter John's full name is Peter John Fulton Sheen. You may remember, he did become a remarkable world-recognized bishop. Bishop Fulton 
J. Sheen, born Peter John, who was seen by millions across America in the 1950s, every Tuesday evening on, ABC, on an ABC network program called Life is Worth Living. How many of you remember? Any of you remember that name, that story? So two altar boys, interesting. Similar accident, yet opposite results. One was blessed, one was cursed. One received words that built up, and the other received words that tore him down. Friends, that's the power of words. That's the power of our tongue. The smallest but greatest troublemaker in the world is the tongue. And as we're putting our faith to work, what we have to control our tongues. That's what James is going to tell us this morning. Or let me say it another way. The presence of Jesus in our lives should positively impact the words we speak. In other words, the faith you profess must impact, positively impact the words you speak. As we're putting our faith to work, it should, it should be revealed in a changed heart and a renewed mind that shapes and directs the words we use. Jesus would actually say, but the tongue is connected to the heart. Now, obviously not physiologically, but he, he would make this connection between your tongue and your heart. In Luke 6.45, listen to what Jesus said. He says, the good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Did you catch the connection? Heart to tongue, out of the overflow of his heart, there's words. There's words that come together. Well, James picks up on this truth. And James would say that our faith should shape and direct our words. It should direct how we use our tongue. The, the, amazing, the amazing thing about the human tongue is it takes us three years to learn how to use it, but it takes a lifetime to learn where and when to use it, how to direct it. So James gives us some insight as to the challenge of our tongue, our words, and, and how we should control it. I want us to look to James chapter 3 and read the insight that James gives us here. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, although they are... Large, they're driven by strong winds. They're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, or in the same way, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's this restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, it should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. 
Now, obviously, the early Christians that James was writing to were having some challenges. Uh, were having the same challenge that we still have today. But they were using words in a way that would be harmful. If not, James would not have written to them these words of instruction concerning the tongue. They were speaking words that were hurting, not helping. They were speaking words that was bringing division, not unity. And I wish I could say, like, that was a problem back then, but praise God, we've become so educated today that we no longer have the same problem. But it's not true. Not true in the words we speak or the words we write or the, or the words that, that we post. And what we all know from experience is that there's power in words. We might say it like this, there's power in the tongue. And James makes three statements here that I want to quickly talk with you about. And I want to leave you with something that I think will help you this morning as you're putting your faith to work as it relates to your tongue, as it relates to the words you speak. But notice what James has to say here about the power of the tongue, the power of your tongue. First, he says, the tongue has the power to direct. If you look back to verses 3 and 4, James uses two illustrations here to, to show us the power of the tongue, not only to direct your life, but to direct the lives of others. First, he speaks of, of uh, a bit in the, in the mouth of a horse. How many of you have ridden a horse before? Probably most everyone in the room. So here you are, say you're... 100 pounds, 125 pounds, 150 pounds, or maybe a little more. Uh, we'll not go further than that, but let's just stop there. So you're on the back of this horse that weighs 2,000, maybe 2,200 pounds. So you're, here's little you on the back of this animal, yet you can control the animal with a set of reins, right? And the ends of the reins, there's a bit, and the bit is in the horse's mouth. I have this morning here, this is what, this is an older set, but this is what a set of bits looks like. There would be, obviously, the leather straps that would go here, this piece would go in the horse's mouth, and get this, with this little piece of metal, you can turn the horse to the right, are you with me, or to the left. If the horse is running and you want the horse to stop, what do you do? You pull back, right? This controls, this directs the horse, right? So James pulls that analogy, that illustration to say, your tongue's just like that. It has the ability to direct your life, even to direct the lives of others. And he gives this second illustration. He says, hey, you can have this, this huge ship. I mean, think of cruise ships today. I mean, think of about thousands of people on a cruise ship. Think of all that's on a cruise ship. So here you have this massive ship. James says the pilot directs, or the captain directs the ship with this rudder. There's a little rudder, he can make the, the ship go whichever way he wants to go. James says in the same way, your tongue has the power, it has the power to direct the lives of others. So that means this, we can set people up for success by speaking words that encourage, affirm, or build, or... Or we can devastate people and limit their lives by speaking words that discourage, diminish, or devalue. Listen to how Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4 reads. It says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You can give life or you can crush someone's spirit. See, that's the power you hold in your mouth. You can bring healing and positively direct someone's life through your words or you can crush someone's life 
through your words. There's no doubt about it, your tongue. That little flesh part of your body has the ability to direct. And think about your children, your grandchildren. Think about your peers, your friends. You have the ability to direct their lives. I have individuals, I've been blessed in my life, to have individuals who've spoken positive things into my life. But I think about my parents and the influence of my parents and how their words have directed my life to who I am and what I'm doing today. I think of an individual in college who was the academic dean, Don Fair. When I didn't believe in myself, he had words that he spoke into my life that directed my life. He so influenced my life. He was diagnosed with cancer, only had a few days left to live, and I took a day and I flew to Washington, D.C., where he lived, and I spent the day sitting at his feet. One last time, three days later, he passed away because I so honored this man who influenced my life with his words. I think of the pastor who hired me on to Grace Covenant, right out of Bible college, Glenn Burris, and the words he spoke over my life, how they directed my life in a positive way. So you have power in your tongue, power in your mouth to direct, again, not only your life, but the life of others. Not only do you have power to direct, the tongue also has power to destroy. It can cause injury and harm. How many of you remember the little rhyme we used to say in school? It goes like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you remember that? How many of you have said that? How many of you know that's a big fat lie? Right? Like, you may not have a lot of external scars. You know, like I, got a, I got a scar here where my uncle got me with a chainsaw. I've got a scar here from a bike wreck. I've got some exterior scars. But maybe you're here today and you have internal scars. They're not evident for others to see, but they're internal scars that came from the words that were spoken over you because words do injure and words do harm. That little rhyme we said in school is not true. Words can injure. Words can be words can be so destructive. Matter of fact, James says in verse five, he says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body that makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Just a little spark. This is a small spark can begin a destructive fire, so your tongue can destroy. Here in eighteen seventy one. There was a fire that destroyed the city of Chicago. You've probably read about it. I don't think any of you were alive then. But you may remember reading about the great fire in Chicago, 1871. 100,000 people lost their homes. 7,500 buildings were burned. 300 people lost their lives. You know how the fire started? The little old lady by the name of Miss O'Leary. Miss O'Leary was out in the barn milking her cow. Uh, for some of you, you, you don't know what that is. You just think, like, well, I get milk from the store. No, this is how you milk a cow. Miss O'Leary was out in the barn milking her cow. The cow kicked a lantern. The lantern caught the hay on fire. Chicago winds quickly fueled the flame. The barn was on fire from the barn to the next house to the next house. 7,500 buildings were destroyed. 
by one little spark. Destructive. So it is with the words you speak. So it is the power, the power of your tongue. That's why James is writing this to us. He says, hey, you've got to be aware of this, the power of the tongue to bring destruction. Solomon, in his wisdom, said it like this in Proverbs 18.21. He says, words kill or words give life. Your words, they kill or they give life. They're either poison or fruit. You get to choose. You get to choose what you're giving out to others. Then in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 19. Interestingly, you can check this out later. In Proverbs 6, 6 through 19, the scripture talks about seven things that God hates. Seven things that God despises or God hates. Did you know three of the seven have to do with sins of the tongue? Interesting. Three of the seven. Why? Because God understands the power of your words, the power of the tongue to bring destruction. But, but it's not all negative. The tongue also has the ability not only to direct and destroy, but the tongue also has the ability and the power to delight. In other words, good can be produced by the tongue. With our tongue, with our words, we can declare the greatness of God and, and we can give life to others. Now notice, look back to verse 9. James wrote these words. He says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in His likeness. Then the following verses, James goes on to speak of, of, a, of a water spring where there's clear, clean water that's freely flowing, and fruit trees that produce good fruit. Listen, just as a water spring and a fruit tree have the ability to refresh and to bring forth life, so it is with our tongue. Right? So it is with our words. And we get to control whether we use our tongue to delight or, or to destroy. And James would say that as we're putting our faith to work, it should positively impact our tongue. Our, our, our authentic faith life and the presence of Jesus in our lives should cho- so transform our lives that the words that we speak are that which are delightful to our mate, to our children, to our peers, to our friends, to our church family. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. In other words, you can be a fountain of life, giving life to others. Then Proverbs 10, 32 says, The lips of the righteous knows what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. So may we use our tongue, may we use our words in a way that, that brings delight, that brings delight to God and, and brings delight to others. Now, I think what we all know today is, is that spoken words have power. They can motivate, instruct, and console. Or they can discourage, confuse, and even devastate. For this reason, we should choose what we say with care. To build others up instead of tearing them down. So this morning, I, I want to leave you with a little tool that I think might be able to guide you. I, th- I think it can help you. I took the word think and created an acronym. Because oftentimes what gets us in trouble, let me say it a different way. Most of the time what gets us in trouble is we engage our mouth before we engage our brain. How many would agree with that? What we, we speak or we post something and we don't engage our brain, we don't pray about it, we don't think about it, 
we get driven by our emotions and we just open that big fat, fat mouth and let it fly, right? We start wagging that tongue and we don't engage our brain. We don't, we don't, we don't think about, we don't pray about, we don't go to God's word and see what God's word has to say about this situation. We engage our mouth before we engage our brain and it, again, gets us in trouble if you remember a few weeks ago, we looked at James chapter 1, verse 19, where James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In other words, he says, hey, think. Think about the power of your words. Think about the power of the tongue. Think about what you have the ability to do. Like you can bring life or you can bring death. And it's all about, all about the words that you think. So using this, this word think, here's the acronym. And for each of these letters, there's a question that you need to ask. Something you need to ponder here. A place that you need to pause. So the T in think should cause us to pause and ask this question. Is it true? What I'm about to say, what I'm about to post... Is it true? Is what you have to say and talk about it, is it a fact or is it really just an opinion or is it just a, a feeling or, or, or something you just feel like, man, I, I've got I've to post this. Or maybe it's something you, you read on Facebook and because you, you think everything on Facebook is true, you feel like now you've got to go say what you read. So stop and ask this question, is it true? How many of you know there's a lot of untruth being spoken today? One of my greatest frustrations in the process of trying to make quality decisions is trying to find out what is true. Where's the truth? What is true? What do I communicate? How do I communicate? So the first thing you want to think about is, is it true? Here's the, a second question. The agent think presents this question, is it helpful? Before you open your mouth and let some words fly, pause and ponder, is what you're about to say helpful not hurtful but helpful is it helpful will your words be helpful in building others up or resolving a conflict or bringing life you know if you have a fire that's burning out of control and you throw gasoline on the fire what's going to happen it's going to what's going to fuel the fire right or you can take water and throw on the fire to extinguish the fire you get to determine and it's kind of the same way with our words how many you know you can use words to like fuel a fire right and maybe you have marriage um discussions how many of you know you can use words to fuel that discussion right husband shake your head you know what i'm talking about or you can use words to, like, extinguish, to put out the conflict. So here's the second great question to ask. What I'm about to say, is it helpful? Is it going to be helpful in this conversation? Is it going to be helpful to someone else? The I and think presents this question. Is it inspiring? Let me again remind you of the words from Proverbs 18.21. Words kill. Words give life. Your words. 
They kill or they give life. So what you're about to say, is it inspiring? So if your words are poison, then they don't need to be spoken. Just keep your mouth shut. They don't need to be spoken. Then we want to be those who use our words to inspire others, to lift others, to give life to others. So is it inspiring? The in and think presents this question. Is it necessary? Is it necessary? You know, Proverbs 10, 19 says this, When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Where words are many, sin is not absent. He who holds his tongue is wise. Now, oftentimes, what gets us into trouble is we, we say things that are not necessary. You know, one of the lessons that I've learned after being married for 35 years, is that our marriage does better when I, when I don't say things that are not necessary. Like, it's, it's happening here in this little brain of mine, but one of the things I've learned to ask this question, is it necessary? Like, I, no longer do I say it to my wife, my mom doesn't do it that way. I mean, that's not necessary. Or, man, that dress makes you look fat. I may be thinking that, but I don't have to say that. Or, when are you going to clean up this house? I used to say those things. I'm wiser now. We have a better marriage now. You know why? Because... There's things I've learned. It's just not necessary that I say that. If I want it done the way my mom wants it done, my wife says, well, just do it yourself then. Or if I want the house a little cleaner than it is, I can do it myself. One of the things I've learned is I I don't have to say everything that comes into this brain of mine. Here's a great question. Is it necessary? Just to pause. What am, I, what am I about to say? Is it necessary that I say it? And then the K in think presents this question. Is it kind? Listen, if you don't have something positive and kind to say, then don't say it. Again, just keep your mouth shut. Now, is there a time for us to graciously engage in conversation that brings truth is there a time and a place for us to bring truth in a way to confront a situation that's wrong there is but one of the things I've come to discover is I can do that in a kind way I can do that in a way where it's received not rejected so what you're about to say Is it kind? Is it going to bring life or death? Is it going to lift others or limit others? Before you open your mouth and potentially create some damage, just ask this question. It's what I'm about to say. Is it kind? The simple acronym of THINK, I think, can help us use our words wisely. So so before you open your mouth, engage your brain, and think. Think about your words. As we put our faith to work, the Jesus we profess must shape 
how we use our words. Friends, this is what I know today. Words are powerful. Powerful. So may we use them in a way that honors God and builds others up. May we use our words in such a way that it gives life to others. Amen? And maybe you would say this morning that at times you're challenged with your tongue. Just being honest. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to come put our tongues on the altar this morning. <laughs> Just kidding. But spiritually speaking, what we want to do, we just want to, this morning, we want to we own ourselves. How many of you know that positive change doesn't happen in your life until you first become aware of you have a problem? Not someone else has the problem. You have a problem. To become aware of that and just say, Holy Spirit, help me. As I put my faith to work, help me to engage my brain before I engage my tongue. Holy Spirit, help me. May the very Jesus in me so transform my heart and my mind that I'm consistently speaking more words that bring life to others than that which injures others. Again, your words, your tongue's like the bit in a horse's mouth. You can direct the lives of others. So this morning, because I think this is not just a problem for James and the early church, I think it's a problem we're still dealing with today. I think this sermon's not just for me, I think it's for everyone in the room. So this morning, we simply want to say, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us use our words in a way that gives life to others. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, this, this morning, we simply acknowledge, Lord, that at times we don't do so well with our words. Lord, at times we don't engage our brain before we open our mouth. And Lord, Sometimes it's to our mates. Sometimes it's to our children, maybe our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends. Lord, we create injury. We create problems. So this morning, first we just repent. God, we repent where we have used words that have hurt or injured or actually fueled problems. We we repent of that this morning. Holy Spirit, we just we ask that you help us. Help us to use our tongues, our words in a way that that brings honor to the Father and it brings life for others. May we live every day aware of the power of our words. And Lord, may it be may it be evident to a watching world of the reality of Christ in our lives by how we speak. Holy Spirit, help us to that ends, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Again, as I mentioned earlier, you can put this sermon to work before you ever leave this building today. You can 
write words on a card that's going to be life for someone. I, I don't know who. I don't know how many nurses or doctors might pick up a card that you wrote about how much you value them and what they're giving day in and day out. But what I know is today you can turn words into encouragement for someone. So they're t- on the tables, in the three areas, please stop by, jot a note. We'll get all of these cards spread out to hospitals in this coming week. So please do that before you head off the campus. I'm going to ask the prayer teams if they would come as we conclude today. I know we had prayer earlier, but maybe you didn't have an opportunity to talk with someone or pray with someone. We have leaders available. The communion tables are open as well. If you'd like to come and celebrate communion, we have that available for you here this morning. Also in the balcony itself, serve. You can just come and embrace the provision of the cross. We have that for you today. As you go into your week, man, I pray God's favor, His blessing on you and for you. And listen, make it your goal this week to be a, a life giver. You know, one of the things I pray every morning is this, Holy Spirit, help me to be a life giver, a lid lifter, and a bucket filler. It's one of my, that's one of my prayers every morning. Holy Spirit, help me today to be a life giver, a lid lifter, and a bucket filler. I encourage you this week, man, go and be a life giver to someone. And as you do, you're going to bless them, and you're going to be blessed in the process. Amen? God bless you. Have a great week. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.